Hello, everyone, and welcome to the both taped and live version of Mastering Dungeons. This is going to be a very special news-filled episode. I am here with my co-host, Teos Abadia. Hello! As well as Sly Flourish himself, Mr. Mike Shea. Hello! So we wanted to have a full news show this week because there was a pretty big announcement that came out literally 30 seconds after we stopped recording the last show <laughs> last week. And that, of course, is that Wizards of the Coast purchased D&D Beyond, which is both, of course they did, and possibly huge news with ramifications that will go on for centuries, if not decades. So uh, let's talk about this purchase. It, uh, first of all, just the, the, the bare bones of it, it was announced on Wednesday, uh, Wizards of the Coast purchased D&D Beyond from fandom for $146.3 million. Uh, thoughts, uh, initial thoughts from from my co-hosts. Well, I mean, I'm sorry that they outdid my bid. I had set aside <laughs> a small amount of change that I was going right. to use, you know, just cash on hand, what we yeah, call. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, well, yeah, you know, I think what you said is true, is that it was both surprising and not surprising. Uh, there were two reactions that I think immediately registered with me as, as the most true of the whole situation. One was people saying, wait, they're not already the same company? Mm-hmm. And the second was people going like, of course they did. It was the obvious thing. I'm really surprised they did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, what, what was your reaction, Mike? Pretty much the same. I mean, yeah. Well, so so the reactions that I saw from people, yeah, kind of hit that line, and my own my own feelings sort of mirrored that, right? Which is, we were all shocked and surprised that Wizards of the Coast did absolutely the right thing, you know, <laughs> and that that got me. But yeah, and I I wasn't terribly surprised by the amount of people who thought I already, it already was, and that of course must have played into their calculus of buying this, right? That the number of people who already thought that D and D Beyond was a Wizards of the Coast property. Uh, I think I think was a can, big deal. Can I add a little context? Just mm-hmm. for folks out there who may not know why we're saying the things we're saying, Wizards has had a track record of sort of pursuing digital possibilities and then having that not go very well. And sort of the entirety of fourth edition, but even before there before that with what they called Gleemax, there's been there have been very large money spends for the time that resulted in almost nothing of measurable worth at the end of it. A lot of frustration by fans, a lot of frustration internally. And so the, the track record is just not there with anything working well. And in fact, what D&D Beyond has managed to do is, is really maybe the only case of fans really going like, yes, that's what we wanted. It worked. And then of course, it was an outside entity. Yeah, even, and, and and not even bashing like Wizards of the Coast, but any company, like many right. companies, are like, well, never mind, we're gonna bu- we're gonna build it in house. And you, we know that, especially companies that have had a lot of success, and Wizards of the Coast has certainly had a lot of this success, can get filled with a bit of hubris and think like, we did this, therefore we can do all of this other stuff too. Mm-hmm. And you know that there were probably voices inside Wizards who said, why don't we just do this? Why are we? Why are, yeah. why would we do this other thing? But yeah. clearly, I think from the outside, the answer was they already have the market on this, right? Right. And even the successes, well, at least on the D and D side, because we can say that, like, for Magic the Gathering, they they have they have it together pretty well. I mean, I'm not a, a huge user of of any of the Magic stuff, but it seems like it's pretty reasonable. Uh, but on the D and D side, even in the past, where they have done things that the fans have liked, it hasn't been like monetarily valuable to Wizards. 
they they would give you a character builder for free or for a very small subscription that you could you knew wasn't making them any money it was just the tool that the players get to use as part of their experience of playing the game whereas with D beyond since it's an outside entity for the first time you could say yes they are definitely making money in this endeavor yeah I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting i think that also created some some discussion right is that price tag of 146.3 million um is that is too that high is it is that just right enough? is it too right. low <laughs> and yeah. the interesting thing there is it's kind of like i have 146 million dollars in this hand and a big revolver in this other hand right like i can buy you out and you can accept my offer or i can pull my license and watch your company turn into a 10 dollar company Right, so th- that that yeah. we know that there's got to be an interesting an, an interesting part there, and, and right? Even, and like, who else are they possibly going to sell right. this thing to? Yes, right. yes, and, and you know, Amazon owned them originally, right, right. and mm-hmm. sold them off, and you, you have to wonder whether they wish they would kept it or not. You know, I don't like think Amazon thinks about this at all. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, right, like true. it's it's too small a move at this point. Right, but um, but maybe someday they might if the entertainment piece is big enough, but. But I think that it, it it would be hard to find another buyer that would pay that amount. Certainly, nobody in the role playing game industry is doing it. Yeah. So it would have to be somebody from the outside, and to what? find a you yeah. know a corporation that would want to do it is is pretty hard. So it had to be interesting negotiation where Wizards sort of goes, who else is going to buy this? Right. A lot of your value is the IP, which by the way is ours. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like that's a limited license, right? Mm-hmm. Like we already right. we already knew looking at it from the outside that Wizards had a tremendous much more control over what D beyond was doing than any of the other major platforms that is licensing D beyond stuff right like roll 20 or fantasy grounds mm-hmm. are both licensing D um, material but they also have third-party material and they also have this other stuff and it's like dnd beyond one time tried to add some third-party stuff to it and they just got hit with a huge mallet right yeah. and then took yeah. it down i don't remember what it was it was like a yeah, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Video video game based property that they tried to put up there, right? Yeah. And and we know like they had invested in they were trying to pick up another game. Adam Bradford, when he was back there, was investing in another RPG to try to like expand them because you're like, you know, if Wizards ever decided, you know, we're gonna go build this our own, and by the way, we're gonna pull the license, like they're done, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I mean it would be so bad. But what's yeah. what's what I find what I love about this is like it's the right and it's a it's a great thing from like all three from three sides, right? It's a fantastic choice that Wizards made because there's already 10 million users that already know the system, many of which thought it was already Wizards of the Coast and it'll be no different to them. Uh, it's a fantastic thing for Dini Beyond because now we don't have to worry, you know, that now they don't have to worry about this licensing thing. Now it's theirs, yeah. right? There's no licensing issue anymore. And it's fantastic. More importantly, most more most importantly than everything is it's it's great for customers. Yeah. Because now we know that the material that we own on D&D Beyond is being given to us by Wizards of the Coast, not a third party who could lose the license, right? right? And, and right. that was a huge risk for a long time. And, and now that risk is gone. And it, I think it's fantastic on all sides. I think, it's, and, I, I think this is like 95% fantastic yeah. news. And I think we need to recognize that the reason any of this is even viable is because D&D is doing so well, right? Mm-hmm. That's why Wizards gave this these licenses out to roll 20 and to D beyond and to the dms guild in the first place is because they did not think they would be able to make money on it but maybe somebody else could yeah and what these other they, companies it was something they didn't want to do right exactly right yeah and they, they they you talked about the hubris right they lost that hubris for with fourth edition yeah they, they yeah, lost right. that They're, they recognized yep. 
we are not experts in these fields. So mm -hmm. let's give it to someone who could possibly be. So by doing that, they not only earned, they didn't earn all the money they could have if they had done it themselves and it succeeded, mm -hmm. but they did earn some money and they learned the lessons by watching these other companies, what these other companies did. And now they will be able to benefit if they can set aside the hubris and if they can actually right. keep those lessons. I mean, now it is in-house, right? Now the interesting right. thing is now the development team is in-house and now the right. application is in-house. And, and now Hasbro and now yeah. Hasbro is paying attention, which right. which could go either way, right? Yeah. Now they have Hasbro resources behind them, not resources not even monetarily, but just business, uh, you know, business related initiatives, which as we have seen in the past, could go swimmingly well. Yeah. And if that hubris leaks in from Hasbro thinking, well, we are a large corporation and we can do right. anything. Right. Let's see what we can do. If they step in and try that, it could all go horribly wrong. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how, how it progresses now when it, as it moves from the, uh, from just straight Dean to beyond into Wizards of the Coast slash Hasbro. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just fascinating to me because I don't think, I mean, it's something that I had paid a lot of attention to and talked a lot about that, like, just how much risk I feel like the whole hobby was in uh, based on this decision, right? Mm -hmm. That I really think like, you know, how, like, I think Wizards probably felt like, oh, we could take those people. Right. Like if we decided to build our own tool, I'm making this up. I don't know if anybody actually thought this. Right. But it's possible that they thought if we make our own tool, we're Wizards of the Coast. We own the properties. We'll be able to do this thing and it'll be lovely and everybody will want it. And we'll just bring all those people over here. But what they'd end up doing. And, and by the way, we might pull our license and that all those angry people over there, they'll just come here and buy it again. And like they might think that that could happen, but they're just going to shatter the. They're, they're going to shatter the, the customer base, right? They're it would have been really somebody. painful for that to happen. It would have been sure. really painful. And at the same time, you've got that, if I can jump in, that you've got that survey that came out, the, the right. you will not talk about survey, which then right. other people <laughs> talked about, which made it fairly right. public. Right. Um, you know, there was the survey that some people got, it cut off, cut off for some people. At some point, the survey just disappeared or didn't have the options. Right. But some people who went through it, apparently you know, had a bunch of things that were along these types of tools yeah. that we would say their partners handle for them. Mm -hmm. And so it showed that inclination that they had where they really were perhaps on the edge of the cliff, the precipice thinking, right. should we just do this? And they have hired 45 to 90 people in this digital group. And while that's yeah. supposed to be largely video games, looking at those jobs, some of those jobs, jobs looked like, look like, they are in this area of virtual tabletops, of um, entertainment provision. You know, they're, they're not just code video games. There were some that were directly in these kinds of areas. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, we, I, I feel like we came off the cliff edge. And not only did we not have a situation where, uh, you know, the, the, the core kind of D&D &D fan base, because, you know, again, my absolutely pure statistical polls that I do, with no errors and no sample problems and everything like that I've, I've done, you know, say about half of people use D&D Beyond, right? Mm -hmm. About half of D&D players. So let me, I can say this actually accurately. Half of those I polled uh, <laughs> said that they use D&D Beyond, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, grant sample size and everything. It's probably, I don't know. I actually don't know if it would be larger or greater than that. But it, I bet you it's not too far off, right? And that's a lot of people to have like potentially lose their products or lose access to products or potentially lose access to future products. Right. Sure. There was this weird time. Do you remember when Tasha's was announced and D&D mm -hmm. Beyond didn't say anything for like three months? 
Yeah. Right. And we're like, what's going on? And it was only like a few weeks before it came out that they're like, hey, we're doing it. Right. And like normally every other book they announced like at the same time, like, oh, but you can right. pre-order right now on D&D Beyond. And that they, one they didn't. And a... I kept thinking like, are they is there something going on? Is there like eh, we're, we're toying with the idea of not putting it on and beyond? Right. I mean, you know, I, I work in the IT field and there have been a number of cases where other people who, who work in the IT field and I have, have kind of gone what's happening there because yeah. you know they used to like say do all the unearthed arcanas and they would do a whole bunch of different things and, and there are some things that are have been on their back burner for a long time development wise that they haven't done um there are some some so, so all of it indications that they they're struggling and, and it says in the press release a team of 80 that's coming over that's a yeah. lot of people <laughs> i you a know, lot of experienced 80s. people who've been building this in real life hardened environments, right? Yeah. With actual 10 million users using it. Well, now so you take those 80 people. That hasn't done it at all. Yeah. You've got to incorporate those 80 people into you somehow, right? And, and one presumes that they'll be somewhat under this digital group that's being formed, but maybe not. Uh, it'll be very interesting. And one of the first questions was, well, who's going to head the group? And, and we got the answer um uh via twitter as we get all employment news these days um did we add <laughs> we this to the show notes uh, I, I, I hadn't heard this okay yeah so so the, it i now forget maybe someone in chat remembers the 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 name uh of the person but it's a uh, joe who works um on the um oh, now i'm forgetting all this I, is it a wizard of the coast employee or was it a former uh, they uh, are now they are now okay they but they now. were was was this somebody that came along with the D and D Beyond team, or is this a Wizards of the Coast person who's taking over? No, so it, it is a person D&D. who's closer to D and D Beyond. They were working on, on in fact, Star. they worked on that video for Critical Role. Oh, okay. On producing that, so so it seems like what they've been doing. They're 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 a known entity. I'll, uh, I'll have to find it. Is it Joe um, Star? Yes. Yeah, that came across in Twitch chat. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here it is. Uh, Joe Star saying. Uh, Jay Hazor had that. I'm pretty dang excited, and he's now named head of content for D and D Beyond at Wizards of the Coast. Cool. Um, and Joe has done uh, uh, work with Screen Junkies, and that's who did the trailer for Critical Role, is my understanding. Um, and and he's been involved on sort of D and D Beyond type things, I believe, in the past. So so that is. Um, so it's interesting that they didn't go with like you know this person at D and D or this person at Hasbro. They brought someone who who can be a bit of a middle. That's a good sign, right? That that someone who can help translate. That's good. Um, but who, who Joe reports to, we don't know, right? So that that'll, that always matters. And I care about this because I work with very large corporations, and when they do these kinds of acquisitions, everything can go really well or really sideways depending on how you organize this and what freedom you do. You know, you've got these 80 people coming in. You've got your 40 to 90, whatever, on the digital side. How are they interacting? Who sets the agenda right now? Things like content. Like, you know, one of the things I would look at if I were Wizards is, what do I do with Dragon Plus when I have this D&D Beyond team cranking out content? I do I really need Dragon Plus? You know, <laughs> do, do I make, you know, what, what do I do there, right? Yeah, I mean, something is like when things, I mean, I don't know how, you know, how well, how it will work here. But sometimes there's like reorganizations that happen a couple of times before everything gets sort of nailed away. And when you have an acquisition like this, mm-hmm. they can certainly change your mind in a year, right? And yeah. and I'm kind of like, well, I don't care, right? Like whatever happens <laughs> on the inside, I don't care. And my question is like, how how does it work for us, right? Are we, are we good yeah. with it? 
And, well, I and care. I, I mean, not that I could control it, right? Which I think maybe is the lens you see it through. But but I do care because no, when we care. had like the fourth edition efforts, right? You could feel even if you weren't like having some of the conversations I had with people who worked there, you could just feel things not working, teams sure. not aligning, oh, yeah. you know, goals sure. shifting. And all you had to do was look at the picture. If you know, if you opened up the monster builder, it had like you know an icon, then the space for all these other icons. <laughs> Right, yeah, I remember. Right, that were so obviously meant to be built and never showing up, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, well, yeah, and it's just, it's hard to know, you know, how the health of the thing is going to go by looking too much at the org chart, right? Like, you know, A, they can change. People mm-hmm. come and go all the time, you know. I mean, one thing is probably pretty certain, which is D&D Beyond has now been bought out twice. I think at least twice. Was it not bought out a third time? I can't remember. I think just twice. at least twice. Yeah, we're from... I, think, I think their parent company got bought out, right? Like they originally right. belonged to a company that yeah. got bought by Amazon. Yeah. Um. Uh. Curse, right? Curse got Curse. bought out by Amazon. Curse to Amazon, yeah, and yeah. then D and D Beyond to and fandom, then, and then fandom, right? Yeah. We're yeah. pretty sure it's not going to be sold again, right? Like unless yeah. they yeah. decided to break <laughs> it away and like you know what, it's oh, better yeah. if this runs as an independent company. It's probably yeah. staying there. Yeah. And, you know, so that's fine. But I, I look at it and, it's, and not, again, predictions, we all know how accurate predictions can be. But it certainly feels like this is much stronger for the hobby. Like the growth, you know, if we're going to watch 5e continue to grow, this is certainly the path that we could look at to say it will probably grow stronger here. And this and does bring up like my transition to 5.5, right? Because well, right. how was that going to be handled? Now it's yeah, a little, and now you, it's, can, you can more easily fine. handle it. Right. The the one, like I say, like it's 95% fantastic news, right? And I really weight it that way. I'm not being coy about like the 5%. The one thing though, is it really does, it further locks out uh, third-party content, right? That like we we knew, I was pretty confident you weren't going to, you weren't going to see third-party content showing up in D&D Beyond anyway. Well, that was was a question Jeff Stevens asked on his recent newsletter. And thank you, Jeff, for the mention of the show. Um, he kind of asked a question, which I've heard online a fair bit. Um, you know, would the DMs Guild be integrated into D&D Beyond's database, right? Would it be that, like, you know, maybe the bigger projects or all projects or there would be a venue by which you could publish to the DMs Guild and then you see your creation turned into database form? Because a quite, And this is a valid, not just because people want more money and more reach, but because... When you say, hey, let's go build a character, and so many people are using D&D Beyond, and then you say, hey, I want to use that thing that's over on the guild, but it doesn't exist in D&D Beyond, that's a problem for the customer, right? Yeah, and now we have kind of two different kinds of third-party content, too, right? We have things that are on the DMs Guild and things that aren't on the DMs Guild. And, you know, we I'm pretty sure, I think, I would say with pretty high confidence, we are not going to see third-party material that's not on the DMs Guild there. Mm-hmm. Because we haven't, right? I doubt they're going to open it up, and now suddenly Cobalt Press's all Cobalt Press's, uh, uh, you know, uh, character subclasses are going to make their way over. Maybe uh, you know, I mean, it's possible, but like, I don't think we're going to see anything like that in a year. And uh, you know, I don't know. It would be it what would do you be think, very interesting to see. Uh, I, I think that as soon as you get, I, I let let me back this up by saying I looked at the press release. And I was both horrified and and uh, uh, heartened at the same time by all the corporate speak that was in the press release. <laughs> as soon as I see like best in class, we're you know getting it. But I'm like, boy, I heard that term so many times working in PR, uh, you know, in sales. And I'm like, that's terrible. 
but it's also good because you can tell that people are paying attention. And when people mm-hmm. start paying attention at the highest levels of your corporation, they, they want every bit of money they can get. And if, if they are, if people are making money on the DMs guild, other than the wizards of the coast, wizards of the coast is looking at that and saying, how can we get some of that money? Now, some that may be, we get that money by putting it on the DM skill or putting it on our new D and D beyond platform in its own section. And instead of the 30% that OBS gets, we are getting that 30% now, or, you know, we get 20% and they get 30%. We'll <laughs> they realize you're happy. They realize we'll you're happy it. with 50. So they'll yeah. just keep, they'll just take the 50 <laughs> or we'll take the full 50 or, Hey, you know, we'll give you 40%, 10 more percent than you were getting over there. And, this and that. Now, going well, it, through the yeah. going through the process of taking every subclass that we make as homebrew and putting it into D and D Beyond, that that the programming and of that I think would be beyond what they want to do at this point. Yeah. If you make, I it think that's the. I think it. that's. A, I think yeah. you're right on it with that. That's one of the core issues is that the level of work. People mm-hmm. underestimate how much work it takes to code things, and. And, and especially code things from a particular input, right? And so whatever the input is, the way that Wizards gives D&D Beyond the data of here's our next book, they've got a process for that at D&D Beyond to pull that in. Whatever your PDF looks like is not their process and, and would be wildly challenging to handle just even a few books. And I think D&D Beyond already feels like they're kind of at capacity. So doing... That much is, is rough. In fact, one of the monsters of the multiverse reasonings of why it's kind of being staged the way it is may be because of D&D Beyond's ability to integrate it, right? That whole, like, we're going to stay to the old one until the book releases alone. Maybe because that's a lot of stuff to edit and change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And when there's something about how clean the guild or not, so, how clean <laughs> D&D Beyond is, right? That, mm-hmm. like... You do kind of know that everything was there is something that came from a Wizards of the Coast published material. And, I mean, there are probably good ways to segment things off because even that's getting kind of crazy and out of hand, right? It's like, do you want to include the Magic the Gathering settings and stuff from mm-hmm. those books or not? Do you want to critical role setting, the critical yeah. role stuff that's there or not? Right now, mm-hmm. now things are already getting there are all the switches and they kind of work and they kind of don't. You know, I have this problem in DDB on right now where I'm like, no, I don't want any of these sources available to any of my players because I'm, I'm, we're not running with those in our game. And they're like, I still have access to all that stuff, right? And it's like, why do they have access to the spells, you know, from, from Strixhaven, you know, but they don't have the other thing? Well, because they bought Strixhaven, right? So they have their yeah. access to it. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's true. Yeah. There is and one so- question. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Um, there, there's, there's breaking away from the DMs Guild and kind of third-party content support, which is one question. But I think a bigger question that I've seen is, what about a VTT? Mm-hmm. And then there's lots of speculation. Oh, won't they buy Roll20 next? And I'm like, I don't think so, right? For probably a few reasons. Yeah. Um, but then, and then, well. Yeah, you want to go? I mean, I think going over those reasons is probably helpful. Yeah, I mean, so, I, you know, I'll, I'll give my reasons, but I'm sure other people have other reasons. Roll20 has, I think, a far deeper spaghetti code base than likely D&D Beyond does. Um, Roll20 also supports a tremendous amount of third-party material and other RPGs. And mm-hmm. I don't think Wizards wants to buy that, right? They don't want to suddenly be supporting, you know, Cortex. So, yeah. you know, there's a, there's, there's a whole slew there. 
Yeah, and there's something to be said for... It's funny that you said Cortex, because... I know, but that's what D&D That's on D&D Beyond. Right. <laughs> right. Does, now, does, does fandom own the Cortex, yeah, or does know. D&D Beyond own it? Because did Wizards just buy Cortex, is, is my question. Oh, that, that's a really <laughs> yeah. interesting question. Yeah. But, yeah. That was a question that I, you know, I, I saw Dave Chalker ask, who worked on, right. on Cortex. Yeah. Uh, a it's a great question. question. Where is where is Cortex, and and will that see anything? It's, it's, it's a fascinating question for the six of us that know what we're talking about. Right? Yeah, and then, that, that's, but I'm uh, like, there's 10 million people that are playing it that have no idea but, what Cortex well, is. All right, so on Roll Twenty, I think yeah. you're right. There is such an enormity of third party stuff that what to do with it is a hindrance to thinking about acquiring it. The other thing is Roll Twenty has been growing really quickly, so their price tag has to be escalating, yeah, and they're really high, they have to yeah. be able to negotiate a lot better on what they're doing and seeing but roll 20 is in that tough position where if wizards were to say you don't get the license for 5.5 yeah right, or you get no more fifth right. edition material or whatever depending on who knows what but the word is my, my, yeah my guess for, is the deal goes for some time and probably covers all fifth edition but but some 5.5 probably isn't covered and that's where that could be a tough... But think about... So imagine like Roll20 on one side and D&D Beyond on the other side, right? And let's say that Wizards decided we're going to pull our license from both, right? D, you know, Roll20 will lose half of its users, mm -hmm. which is not small, but it's half. D&D mm -hmm. Beyond loses all of them, <laughs> right? So right. you could survive as a company, right? Roll20 well, could survive yeah. as a company without... Because they could support yeah. third-party material and they could support the SRD, all the material in yeah. the OGL and still be running D&D stuff. They just can't use all the official stuff or all the, all the Wizards of the Coast stuff. But like D&D Beyond couldn't have – they didn't – that's all they had, right? So the other one is like, I, you know, can you imagine trying to integrate those two tools together? Like which one of the compendiums would you choose, right? Like Roll20 is so wired around the compendium data that it's got that you already have in this other thing. So it doesn't make any yeah. sense. But then the question is, well, what are – I think, you know, I, I'm pretty confident that they are going to go for a VTT. Now, that might be something that they could build in-house, right, mm -hmm. and, and sort of integrate with or have the D&D Beyond team that they just acquired, the 80 people there, working on a, on a, on a, a VTT that's integrated with their existing D&D Beyond data feels far right. more likely than them acquiring a third-party one. Yeah. 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 It's, it, you, when you acquire someone, though, you also acquire their users. Yeah, and, and that's, that's true. You know, that's the big question is, is it worth it, even though the technology may not be what you want, the, all these other things might not be what you want, just the user right. base to... Yeah. It's a lot if, of accounts. Right. Can, can Wizards of the Coast, starting from scratch or starting from whatever point that they're at, have a VTT ready by 2024 when they release this new I edition? I think so. We saw two people in Australia build the best VTT I've ever used in like three months. I love it to death. But that doesn't have the integration. It can though. I don't think it you know, I don't I don't I think if you've already got the whole I mean, what do I know, right? Are you talking about Albert Rodeo? I'm a software Rodeo engineer. Idea. Yeah, Albert Rodeo. Okay. Right. I've done I'm a software engineer. So I a little yeah. little bit, right? A little bit mm -hmm. of X right. probably done the Dunning Kruger, I'm right at the top of the peak of the Dunning Kruger, right? Before the <laughs> fall off. But I'm gonna stay right in that peak. And uh -huh. you know, why should I be different than everyone else? So um I I would I do, I think that if you had something like the compendium, even if you just ran a side window that had the log of dice rolling, right, sitting with the VTT window of Albert Rodeo doing like you don't need the actual connections to the tokens and stuff like that. Right. I think there's a lot. And I don't think that would be 
monstrously hard. And they did it really quickly. I'm not saying that Wizards is going to have one up and running in two months. But I, I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll take two years for them to add a VTT if they really wanted to have one. It was always funny to me to see the fourth edition VTT that was nothing for so long, and when it came out, was actually quite reasonable. I never even used it. I don't even know what it, we're talking about. It was. It was quite good. It wasn't fast. It needed some tweaks and things, but it was. It was actually pretty neat. Uh, but I think it just. It had so lost its steam. When did that and, come out? I don't, I don't even remember using one. Yeah, it, it, I played a few games. Was on it, it essential? It was, it was, was it when essentials was out? Was it late in the late? In yeah, the cycle it had or? to be during that period. Huh. Yeah, I, sure I just I remember being at Winter Street. Fantasy with the launch of Fourth Edition or the you know the play testing of Fourth Edition and seeing what they were planning, and you're like, wow, this yeah. is going to be the coolest it thing ever. It looked like EverQuest. It looked like yeah, an I, MMO. I mean, it, yeah. you know, not to do yeah, the looked, MMO thing. Yeah, they had but the whole character like rotation they, thing. Right, yeah, they had yeah, like 3D rendered characters. Yeah. Yeah, but and, and they were talking about another thing, which has come up this week a lot. Which is at at that Winter Fantasy, they were saying, you know, in every physical book, you will have a digital coupon to unlock the digital content. And, and a lot of fans have been saying, "Am I going to get that? Since now yeah, you don't have to charge me twice." So that was the number one on all of the responses that I saw. That that you know, I don't know why I started with VTT <laughs> D and D Beyond or D, DMs Guild, but number one was, does that mean I don't have to buy? Uh, does that mean I don't have to buy a book twice anymore, right? Are they going to give me a free coupon mm-hmm. for it? And what's and, the answer to that? Uh, you know, I'm not going to predict. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> no sure idea. you're not getting a free digital book. I would be Well, no, but surprised. I mean, right. There is that very good question. We had a, we had a friend that brought this up, right? That the, the, even let's pretend for a minute that they'd said, sure, we're going to give you a discount, right? Like you get mm-hmm. half off because they've done, there is precedent for this, right? Like the D&D mm-hmm. Essentials Kit has a half off coupon for the player's handbook and a free copy of the adventure that's in the Essentials Kit right. that you can get in D&D Beyond. So they've done it, but it's in a box set with a coupon. Where you right? can close it can off you, in that box where you, set. Right, yeah. Where you, you can't go into Walden Books. Is Walden Books? Walden Books is out of business. Like yeah, they ago. haven't been around for yeah. two years. Barnes and Noble. You go into Barnes and Noble, open it up, look at the coupon, snap it with your phone, and now you got your free copy. So how do they do that with a phys- with a with a book that they're not shrink wrapping? That that physical problem is actually something that could could be an issue, right? But I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how. Well, I, I know that there's a demand for it. I know that there's a demand okay. for something, right? And and will they? Can they address that, or will they address that? I'll be a question. Well, I mean, I, I think it, it goes beyond that question. While it would be great if that could happen, the in order to get a digital version, you are also if if I if I put on my Ferengi ears, as they say, uh, mine's going to be you you bought the book. Oh, absolutely! When you get your subscription to the VTT and the character builder and all these other tools. Yes, you will get access to these rules as part of your subscription, yes. uh, which could also then include our TV shows and our movies and everything that Hasbro is going to bring to the table. The the My Little Pony channel uh, is oh. also included in your subscription to Hasbro Plus, which also includes D and D. You're right. It's it's going to be said, not yeah, Hasbro Press that. Plus. Why not call it D and D Direct? Oh, yeah. yes. Good point. Right. Right. Exactly. So one of the interesting things for folks who saw this other piece of news, which is there has been a, a, a trailer for something called D&D Direct, which it's hard to tell what that is the name of. But the trailer kind of has this camera pan through all these various things that are on a table. And some of it's, you know, physical dice. Uh, there is a tablet that shows the stats for a red dragon as if it were maybe like a digital book. Um, so th- there is that, you know, 
build your character, run your things online kind of component to it. There's physical stuff being shown. There are plushies, one of which is a spell jammer, uh, hamster effect. The, the, yeah. the, the Twitter image is called something like normal hamster or something like that. Sort of making a joke of not a miniature giant space hamster. And um, so, you know, are they going to talk about spell jammer on this thing? Um, and it shows, it's kind of quick, but you can see there the script for the Hasbro D&D movie. Oh, really? There. Yeah, I saw that. And, and yeah. it's in that, you know, plain block type, the way you do the first page of a script. It, it reads... Um, yeah. uh, untitled D&D project or something like that, right? Untitled D&D movie directed <laughs> by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly. So... You know that I I think Sean, that's exactly what's happening, which is or at least that's what they want to happen, right? That they would like to have Disney Plus, D and D Plus, D and D Direct, that is a much larger buy-in that we would all make. We would consume their TV, their movies, their live streams, <laughs> their D and D Beyond videos, <laughs> their news, their D and D Beyond content, all of that digitally in whatever platform from our phone to our desktop to anything. And, and that would be worth a big amount of money that you pay monthly. And then you get the unlock the keys of the kingdom, right? Yeah. I, then your player's handbook is in fact free because you I mean, are it's, you know, so this is on the business side that that's what makes the most sense based on, you know, we're all pretty old dudes who are used to, we never even have digital books growing up, right? It was, it was the book. And so we, we lived in a different time. And a lot of the people that we talked to lived in a different time. Times have changed. Access to things has changed. And people are used to subscriptions. I rage against subscriptions. I don't want <laughs> to subscribe to the Microsoft suite. What and is this? I old wanna... man? Is this the official old man yelling yeah. at clouds segment of the show? No, it's 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 an old man old saying man. I I understand I'm an old man and I, you know it's okay it's okay, black right? socks with sandals is a perfectly acceptable way to I want to buy Adobe products without having to subscribe to them for the rest of my life but that's right. not the society that we live in anymore it's based on these subscriptions and we're just gonna have to get used to it yeah that it's super fascinating but but when you look at kind of you know, like Sean and I have been following on Mastering Dungeons all of these uh, quarterly earnings reports and the, the write-ups that come about them. Uh, thank you, comicbook.com, for such great coverage of those. Um, and when you look at sort of what they say time after time after time, it's pretty clear that this is what they're trying to do, right? They bought E1, uh, this media arm that is now behind the TV shows and the movies and all of this. And, and very clearly, they want to stop saying, hey, we've licensed the name Dungeons & Dragons to Paramount. Paramount, just make your movie, give us a cut. They want to make it, uh, as they are doing now more and more. Uh, they want to own the shows. They want to come up with the, all of the creativity behind them. They want to launch them. They want to platform them, just like Disney does, right? There was a time when Disney, you know, hey, hey, there you go, Fox. Have at it, right? But now we want to own all of this. We want to have it in-house. We want all the profit from it. And, and that revenue growth is, is a critical part of all of it. And that may sound sort of, I mean, it is very corporate, very capitalist, and that has plenty of downsides to it. But it's also the, the logic of trying to orchestrate all of your brand, or the way Marvel does, right, to, to own yeah, not well, just building... comic books, but everything associated. Yeah, I mean, this is something that, that D&D has done tremendously well 
over the past five, you know, while they've been scaling up, right, since the beginning of fifth edition all the way to now. One thing, like the, 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 the marketing arm of, of Wizards of the Coast, who has been handling this, has done a tremendous job of building a lifestyle brand, right? Like I, I just had to end my D&D shirt of the month subscription because I have too many awesome D&D shirts and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not wearing them enough. So like, you know, they are, they're, they're like, they're like Harley Davidson, right? They're a lifestyle brand. You, you now identify with this brand, not as like a product, but as a, a you know, as, as a core identity, it's a, it's my mm -hmm. core identity. Right. Yeah. And so the, on the marketing side, they, they want to capitalize on that by saying, like, look at all this stuff. And I'm sure this is what we're going to see, right? All these different sort of areas that we can go. There's obviously the game stuff, which is sort of core, but then there's movie. And then there's these other shows that we're going to do. And then, you know, here's new video game properties. And here's all this other stuff. You know, and, and kind of as, you know, since I tend to focus on the tabletop RPG side, I'm only interested in about 30 or 40 percent of what they're talking about right because then the other part is like oh hey check out that awesome legend of drizzt game right that that's going to come out and they hype that to death and you're like well let's see right and i feel the same way about the movie like let's see right you know yeah. we'll, we'll find out how good that is and 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 then the other try to they try to tie properties together i think to the detriment of other problems right which was oh the descent into avernus thing right well guess what else is coming out then baldur's great three let's tie these together and they actually affected the rpg right they right. changed the rpg about that and then and, and, then, and the then baldur's gate magic the gathering it's still not out yet right so mm -hmm. yeah so some i mean it's interesting as a fan and maybe they don't care like i'll just go in and i'll pick the pieces that i'm interested in and i'll ignore the stuff that i'm not uh and then i'll let my my fine my fine friends here on mastering dungeons cover all of it right <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, yeah, so it's, it's really, I don't know, it's very interesting to see. So should we talk a little bit about D&D Direct? Sure. You want to... Tell us, tell us all about it. All right, well, so April 21st, it, it was, I think the day after the acquisition was announced, so Wednesday's acquisition, Thursday they give us this teaser trailer that we were talking about, uh, and they say on April 21st, big announcements are coming, D&D Direct is coming, and I think every fan was thinking... Oh, this is going to be like D and D live or something like that. And then we heard it's a half hour. <laughs> I think it's no. I'm pretty sure it's longer than that. Some uh, comicbook.com said it would be 30 minutes long. I think they're wrong. <laughs> hosted by Anna Prosser and B. Dave Walters. Yeah, is it, is it longer? I'm, yeah, I don't think I can give up a source. Okay, but I think it's you know, I, I, I longer I, than that. I think so, it's so is it that. is it longer? Well, without giving up your source, is it longer? It's forty-five minutes, or is it longer? No, I think it's an this hour is and like half. a full week. Okay, so it's yeah. it's not the D and D live full weekend of day. dreams yeah, me, and and let games. Me, let me and, look at something uh, here. Uh, uh, I hear it is eight thirty a.m. to eleven a.m. Pacific time. Okay. All right. Um, the presentation. So there's oh I I you know what I think it is. So I think there is a there's an official presentation that's thirty minutes, okay. and then there's an hour of hoopla and it doesn't say the website just says starts at 9 a.m pacific noon eastern yeah i think i think the event the overall event is intended to go for uh 90 minutes okay but the, i um so this is supposed to be quote get your first peek at the future of dungeons and dragons at D, &D direct streaming april 21st 9 a.m pacific see exclusive reveals across the world's greatest role-playing game Apparently they're not I allowed love to your, say D and love. Thank you for the dramatic reading, by the way. Yeah. This, is, books, this is helping. See exclusive reveals across the world's greatest role playing game: books, video games, entertainment, and more. This is one jam packed show. 
<laughs> yes, it is. And what did I mean, Ray you know, we're say? all going to watch it. So yeah, the, the head <laughs> yeah. of D and D at Wizards, Ray Winninger, said, uh, "This is where we will finally release details about some of the things that he's been hinting at." So, video games, tabletop games, and entertainment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what, do we, what, what are they announcing? What are they announcing? I refuse yeah, to well, make a prediction. What, what, what do you predict, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I will, I, you know, I, I, we're going to be right about Spelljammer one day. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and, you know, I go back to the fact that on, on, from the, you know, if we look at the data, like it's generally about six months from the time a playtest comes out till a thing comes out that uses that playtest. And there was a pretty clear Spelljammery playtest. So, like, you know, I, I kind of mocked the people who lost their minds when Wizards did their non-April April. Fool's April Fool's joke. I, I mock everybody, right? Because it's right. like, does Wizards think that you can actually have subtlety on Twitter and it'll work? The answer is no. And, you know, do they think that, like, uh, your, your, double, your, your double fake you know, April Fool's thing is going to work. And all it did was, I don't know. I mean, there's probably Angry some people, people who are kind of amused. I was amused. But there's a amused. bunch of people who are like, how dare you, you know, sir or ma'am, you know, wreck my, my... – and they're like, oh, man, just can we all just relax a little bit, right? Like, well, it's a, I love – you know, I live and breathe this game. You know, we can all just take it easy. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky. My childhood was ruined the first time. So it can't be yeah. ruined again. I, well, I, I keep going with like, I, I can't tell who's trolling who, right? Because I'm convinced yeah. that all the people who have been screaming about Spelljammer, like, I was just kidding. I don't want Spelljammer. That's ridiculous. <laughs> space Dragons, you right. know, I'm not going to play Space Dragons. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've blogged yeah. about why I think Spelljammer is amazing and how I initially thought it was completely stupid. So I, it's a bit of both is the answer, right? It, it is the ridiculous, but it also can be incredible and it can be Star Trek and can be a lot of things. And so I, I think... There are people there who are old who have played it and who would like to see it return. There are people who are old who would not like to see it. The vast majority of today's D&D players don't know what it is. Yeah, so the reality right, right. is Wizards gets to decide the one, what it will yeah. be the and one how tweet. campy silly or how awesome it is. <laughs> right. like that's, yeah. the, one tweet, the one tweet that I, that I had to mock was a, a, a reply to them that said, most players want this, how dare you? And I was like, first of all, as one who gets beat up about statistical relevance of surveys all the time, how did you get a hold of most DMs? Because like, I would love to know how to do it. And B, come on. Most DMs haven't been playing. They've been playing for two years, yeah, right? Most right. Half, More than half of Dungeon Masters have been playing, or half of, of D&D players have been playing roughly two years. I guarantee you, twenty would 20% know what Spelljammer is? I'm not even sure it would be that. Right? It would it's be less. Small. Much, it would much be less. less. Yeah. And, the, and it's the same thing with, with anything classic, right? With, with uh, Dragonlance, any of that. I mean, maybe you have a few more people who've read the novels, but even those are, those are really old. And so, you know, uh, yeah. And a lot of these things are names that you can use to, to draw inspiration from, uh, and, but you want to create a new experience out of it probably anyway, and you, and you should. So, yeah, so I'll go with I would very say, easy. I would say answer. more than half the players don't know what Tyranny of Dragons is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. That's absolutely point. correct. Yeah, you know, absolutely that, correct. That's, that's the kind of shift that we're talking about in the player base since 5th edition. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, I've shared this with Sean and Mike uh, in the past, but when I would go to, I would travel a lot for work and I would go to different, like a different state, you know, every three weeks or something. And I would find the local gaming store and I would go in and I would play a game of, of D&D Encounters back then. And what I found was overwhelmingly the case is that out of a table of people, one of them would follow anything about D&D online. Yeah. The other six or seven people at the table, five to seven people at the table, were um, only seeing D&D through the lens of that gaming store. 
that was their world of Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, whatever was on the shelves. So if there was an Eberron playtest, you know, I'd be like, "Do you guys see that?" And they'd be like, "What's Eberron? What yeah. playtest? What website? I don't know what you're talking about." Why would you? Why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. right. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, now I'm, to give to answer the question of other predictions, I'll give my other. I'll give. I'll give three, and I'm going with lowball, very easy <laughs> things. I think I would not be surprised if they announce another starter set. Because we already saw some hints about that, it got leaked a little sure. bit, you know, a, a little bit ago, and it wouldn't surprise me to see that. Uh, it would not surprise me to. It's, I, I expect we probably will see. I, I would. I would not be surprised if we see Spelljammer stuff. Um, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet against Dragonlance. Some some Dragonlance stuff getting mm-hmm. announced. I think all three of those. You know, I'm not guaranteeing any of them, but I would say a higher probability of those and other. You know, than Hollow World. I don't think we're going to see any Hollow World stuff. <laughs> You know, <laughs> or guess what? We bought we bought Pathfinder. You know, birthright the video game. Yeah. Birthright the video game. <laughs> the video game. Yeah. Sean, any predictions? Oh well, I think it's safe to say that we're going to see something about entertainment. So we're going to hear something from the movies, uh, whether it's just a you know, just a one minute teaser, or if we get the the trailer, the first trailer, maybe you know something like that would be cool. Um, hear more about any TV shows, you know, Netflix, Amazon, however they they put them out. Um, we'll probably hear a little bit about those. I wouldn't be surprised if more than fifty percent of what was announced had nothing to do with actual gameplay. Yeah, I mean, or at least tabletop that. gameplay. I, if you yeah, talk I would, about video you, games, yeah. yeah, maybe even a third, right? Maybe yeah. a third of it is about tabletop, and a third is about entertainment stuff, and a third about video game stuff. Yep. So here are my predictions. I think, like Mike, something Spelljammer, but this might be a case where it's that unusual format that uh, Winninger had had last year, sort of enigmatically said that they're one of the things that one of the classic settings will be in an unusual format you haven't seen before. It's going to be a great stone wheel, right? You have to <laughs> yes. go to the store and put it on the. You're going to need a big truck to yeah. wheel this giant stone wheel to your house to place. It's cuneiform wheel. tablets that are going to be used. <laughs> Uh, no, I, you know, so I think that, that something like that, and Spelljammer has some interesting things, like it has mass combat, and, and you know, there are a lot of possibilities. There, you could dream up some weird ways to unleash some Spelljammer, so maybe that. Um, I think that the movie, I think it would be really cool if they revealed the title of the movie, mm-hmm. and maybe even, like, something about the setting. Like, for, it's, it's no secret there have been pictures that show, like, the flags of Neverwinter uh, in some of the, what, what, the film sets that were captured. So, you know, if they were to tell us that uh, it involves, you know, Neverwinter or confirm that piece of text we saw somewhere that was talking about Icewind Dale, um, you know, confirm those things and tell us the name of it, I think would be really sweet. That would get a lot of excitement going. Um, The new video game, there is a studio that Whitney Strix Bertrand works at. uh, They they said they were working on an open world third person project for D&D. Now, they were still hiring, but I could see that they might announce that. And it wouldn't shock me if that kind of game was either Ravenloft or Planescape-based. I could see that work. Mm, that'd be interesting. Another um, new Planescape. And then I wonder if there couldn't be some hint at what D&D Direct is. Like, that this could be the name of something bigger that you're, you know, would include D&D Beyond and TV and stuff like that. I don't think they're going to talk about 5.5 at all. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I'd, I think predictions. you're probably right about that. That would be a, yeah, that would be at least nothing that we could, that would settle our nerves about open gaming license or how compatible it would be. Nothing along those lines. Of oh, man, no. 
that'd be great but yeah that's that's why i don't I, think they know i think they're still figuring it out i hope i think right? i hope I they haven't locked right. themselves into anything yeah, at this i hope point. they haven't right and the other thing would be interesting is if they had some way of promising something that would come from D D beyond that would be new and exciting and i, I think a lot of DTT? us would take like just something like improved search right yeah it would be source-based Source-based search would be great. Yeah, I mean, it, it's strangely like on mobile, but not on <laughs> desktop, right? And so, like, just a few things like that would be would would make that purchase go a long way if they were to say, like, we're working on redoing that, or yeah, someone just mentioned an API, right? Like, yeah. something like that could be really fascinating. Um, yeah. I'd love an API, really... obviously. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to hack into that, but uh, you know, I'm I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't expect it. No, I wouldn't expect that either. There's but... so few people are going to care, and it's a lot of work to get an API like that working. And there's unless there's some business reason to do it. And, and they want they want everything on their place, not right. distributed. Is my guess. So. I mean, that would you know, it's it's just total out there. But wouldn't it be fascinating if they said we are going to create an API, and instead of having a license where we give you content, your the license is to access the API of D and D Beyond, and so Roll Twenty could switch over from having its own data to connecting over to D and D Beyond to pull it. That'd be fascinating, and that would be there'd be a business reason to do that. But I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah, yeah, and it, it just and thinking back a little bit on the the beginning part, that it it, it really is, uh, you know, pinch me level of of unbelievable. Yeah, that D and D is this big, right? That that there used to be a time when just saying that D and D is 146 million would have been a big deal, mm-hmm. let alone that it can just easily can buy acquire a, yeah, a, a third party company. It. Right. That's true. Um, yeah. When you think it's of the value million. of what D and D is, right. right, you have to add 146 million to it for this tangential side, right? This this adjunct thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, actually, you, you guys might know the numbers on this. Did, did, did Wizards of the Coast talk about how many people are playing D and D worldwide these days? And and was that they number have. roughly 20 million people? Because we know that D and D Beyond has 10 million. They they did say that D and D Beyond has 10 million users. That's a lot of 10 million is huge. Yeah. 10 million I mean, is although. All these user numbers are always super inflated, I right? I mean, sure. I, I've been in charge of coming up with these numbers. They're always so... <laughs> yeah. But how many users do we have? Well, if we add anyone who ever visited the website... That's and true. And that's a user. Right. Yeah. Plus the, I mean, the 100,000 dummy one is accounts anyone that's ever we created up for, for testing yeah. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, have your parents log in now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I've been there. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, give this I don't know, hits. but... And, and and same thing with the how many people have played over time. I mean, I don't know how they're coming up with that. And, and so it's a, they're just numbers. And, it, and I mean, they, it's they less are. about the accuracy of them and more how they grow over time. And that that's the thing that's very clear is it's hugely growing. Yeah. Right? Like that's, yeah, it's a lot of people. I mean, so pretending for a minute that that's the number of users, that's bigger than World of Warcraft was in its early days, mm-hmm. like 7 million you know, I remember like EverQuest was like 500,000 people, right? And then Ever- and then World of Warcraft came around and got like 7 to 12 million people. They're hitting those numbers that they were aiming for when they were doing 4th edition. Yeah, <laughs> it, took them, the, it took them 10 years. <laughs> the, the numbers that I would want to know if I were Wizards would be the contrast between how many people purchased this new book that I just launched versus yeah. how many people do I think are active players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, or even active with my brand, right? It doesn't even have to be a player, but that you are interacting with my brand in some way. Um, I think we've all seen that when a new book comes out, 90% of the interaction that I see is from people who are, aren't even really giving it a big skim. Yeah, sure. They're just grabbing <laughs> you know? yeah. like, right. The number when of people who say buy a rhyme of the frost maiden versus yeah. play a rhyme of the frost maiden is very different, right? And it's so one of my, all those numbers my... are 
yeah, it's one of my complaints about how D&D Beyond works overall, which is like how easily you can add new capabilities to your character and not read anything about the story that's behind it. Yeah. And, and so there's the whole reason why you have a particular subclass. And it's so easy and beyond to just be like, I like it because it has this power. And it's like, do you even know what a rune knight does? No. Why does it have giant things? I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's because yeah. it's tied to giants. Like, you might want to go read this. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate, you know, it's an unfortunate side effect of making something really easy is you, you, sometimes there's a little bit of homework that people ought to do. We could do a show on that topic, right? Like, because... Right. I think that's a really key topic when we look at a lot of the, how these new subglass and stuff are made, but not today's topic. No. <laughs> but it, it's also interesting in the sense that Wizards of the Coast will not be making as much money off the people that are only going to look at the Rune Knight as opposed to the people who pay to go see the movie or mm-hmm. pay to, you know, pay for the streaming service. Because, you know, most groups, I would guess, the, the dm buys the books the players maybe they do maybe they don't wizards isn't making any money off of those players that aren't, don't need to buy the book can go get the character uh builder free if their dm signs them up for a campaign on D beyond so get monetizing those players that aren't buying the books is an important goal for for hasbro and for wizards of the coast yeah uh, it's important to keep that in mind as well as much as, you know, I don't love capitalism for all its flaws. We have to be real that this is the world that, that the game comes from and, and keep it's those a, things yeah, it's in a business. mind. Right. Yeah. I think we, I think a lot of us, this is, this is that whole sort of, you know, looking at the potential licensing issues is I think when we have, when we are all kind of into a lifestyle brand, we think of it as a community and they absolutely want us to think about it as a community, right? Sure. We talk about the D and D community and we talk about all this stuff and you're like, there's a corporation behind this, right? Yeah. And that corporation can do corporate stuff. And I don't think it was, I don't think it was completely ever taken off the list of the idea of like, should we pull the licenses and do this ourselves, right? Regardless of the fact that 10 million, I'm going to make the number. No, I'm going to use the number because it's the only number we got, right? Yeah. That 10 million people would be very upset about the fact they probably weren't paying customers, right? But some large number of paying customers are going to be like, wait a minute, I, I can't get, I can't integrate this new stuff with the old stuff anymore, or I don't have access to the old stuff anymore, right? They're corporate decisions. They're not yeah. community decisions, right? Well, yeah. It, but yeah, and, and they don't have to sometimes be. Sometimes they align, sometimes they don't. They, they don't have to all be, uh, like, this is not a company that's extracting oil from the earth, right? So so it's not, um, it's a little different in terms of what's happening, Um because at the end of it, what we're what we're what we're doing is thinking about how people interact with this game, and and so some of that can be problematic, but only so far, right? And and I think one of the things that's always tough is is RPGs are a big, wide industry where such a huge number of people are just under one brand, and when news like this comes out, everybody who's working on those other areas just goes, "Are you kidding me?" Like. How is their their character builder 146 million, right? <laughs> like it's got to just seem yeah. so difficult. Yeah. But what can also happen and, and is starting to happen sort of regardless, uh, I'll tell you just regardless, but what's happening is this, this big reviewing of the type of entertainment that role-playing games are. It's not nerds in a basement, and, and it stopped being that for a long time, even though there might be those jokes still there plenty on TV shows and stuff like that. It is 
a really big, wide-reaching way that people can interact with these kinds of stories and group storytelling and board games and all kinds of things like that, video games, um, that that will be transformative. And we're already seeing that there, you know, there's like a Warhammer TV show inspiration that's in the works, and there's a Blades in the Dark TV show that's in the works. There's the Critical Role animated show. There are going to be a lot more of these types of expressions that really widen what our what our industry is. And it may be that a game like Blades in the Dark may make some X amount of money for its creator, where X is probably very small, but the TV show. And so a lot of these things may seem really daunting to people that don't work on D&D or who want to see D&D fail. But at the same time, I think that whole rising tide lifts all boats. I think we're going to see a lot of that as this entertainment thing widens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does bring up a question. I know know we might be tight on time, but it brings up a question of what do third-party publishers think of this and i think all three of us are in that boat right we've all you know we've all published material and are publishing material that is not going to be included in this acquisition right and what does it mean for us and i've 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 asked a few others too about like what it means and and some are like you know i don't know it's not really any different right it's you know and others are like no we're we're batting down the hatches like we're gonna we're you know we're gonna carve our own path and go our own way and it's it's interesting to kind of see that, you know, I actually try to aim to produce things that can be used with a recognition that a lot of people are using DD Beyond. So I don't publish subclasses, right? I'm, I, mm-hmm. It's not a it's not something I go for. Uh, I tend not to even publish monsters very often because I think like having a whole big pile of monsters that aren't available there changes what people can use. So I tend to aim for things that you could use, you know, with all of these tools in place. But I don't I know lots of people don't think that way like even everything from a small publisher who is still publishing subclass like an individual subclass on the dms guild all the way up to you know huge huge behemoth companies that are you know having running million dollar kickstarters for books and monsters yeah so it's fascinating you know it is it is and and i mean and there's that whole thing of like like when you do those polls of how many people are uh using fifth edition official adventures versus homebrew right homebrew is enormous enormous yeah. and but the lens we see things through may make us think the opposite and it's it's not well right. it's it's one of those like you know sh- the interesting thing about like yeah so so again the last few polls those those polled responded that um more than half of them are running their own adventures in their own campaign setting but the interesting thing is like still the largest number one campaign setting is still the forgotten realms right because all of those don't count as one. Right? They all count as, you know, five million small campaigns, right? Written by different people. Plus, the Forgotten Realms will eat whatever setting you create and make yeah. it its own. Kind of, yeah. So, and, so and you just know, because you can always people aim for are, that. Just because people are running their own adventures and their own campaigns doesn't mean they're not buying other well, adventures buying and, and running are two different them things. For parts. Yeah. Yeah. Buy, buying and buying and using or I, I, that's a guy who buys lots of stuff and I go, yeah. that's cool. And then I archive it. Right. right. There, there, a lot of people are buying stuff that isn't getting used. So from a business perspective, that's one thing, you know, but I and think that all of us as creators want it to be used. That can be fine uh, and not fine at the same time. Right. So I, I think that this accelerated book schedule where a few years back, it would have been Rime of the Frostmaiden would have been the theme for almost a year. Yeah. Uh, Rime of the Frostmaiden got very little spotlight, and Witchlight got really, really little yeah, spotlight. Shocking. I mean, it got that sort of D&D Live event, and then it kind of is just out there. But it is one of the, if not the best, one of the best. Yeah. Most people would agree one of the best 5th edition official adventures ever written. Deserves a whole lot of spotlight. And it's hard to tell whether how much more attention it got than say Strixhaven 
right? Or fizz bands or any, there, there's so many releases. And I think that it was easier to say that like Tomb of Annihilation is a great example. You might not have run Tomb, you might not have read it, you may or may not have purchased it, but you felt that theme because it was such a, a theme that was out there. And, and now that's more confusing. And so I'll be curious to see whether any of these efforts that they are doing will help solidify that a bit more, because I think it is important for all of the fandom to be a little bit aligned, to have that theme, feel that theme. And with all those releases, maybe it's not going to happen. Yeah, and interesting. I, so one, one just, again, totally flawed statistic, but it gives some semblance of numbers. I like to look at how, how many reviews something has gotten on Amazon. As a, as a very rough gauge of general popularity. And the interesting thing is Witchlight has half of the number of reviews that Descent into Avernus has, right? Now, Witchlight hasn't been out as long, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't know if it will reach that same number. And, like, you know, you guys have looked at both, right? One of you wrote on one of them. <laughs> you know, which ones do we think is the stronger of the two, right? Yeah. yeah. Fascinating stuff, yeah. It's super fascinating. And, and all of these changes are going to factor into that expression of the game how the game is expressed yeah. for us fans are all very different but but it's colored by how dnd is projected at its audience right there's a there's a relationship back and forth there yeah I just, yeah i mean just my my you know my thought is like i'm just i'm I'm happy that this happened i you know that when i heard that happen i immediately felt relief and i immediately you know talked to a bunch of people it was you know a bunch of people i talked to every day about dnd stuff we all were like on board with it i told my wife and she's like wow that's awesome i talked to my players at my game who are very much of the not paying attention to the dnd news and they're like holy cow that's fantastic to hear like everybody felt the sense of like you know, there was a, you know, a guillotine hanging over this head that could be dropped and it's not now the guillotine, it was taken away. Right. Yeah, it's just, that's it's, true. It's, it's that fantastic. is a big bullet that we dodged. I mean, yeah. if, if yeah. somehow all of those, as you said this before, if all those purchases had been kind of invalidated or, yeah. or it, because it'd be really confusing if somehow it was like, Hey, the next book, it's going to be not on DND beyond but will be on whatever our new <laughs> thing is, right? And right. you have, wait, do I make a character half on one platform, half on yeah. a what? Yeah, yeah. Just, that would have been. And we, brutal. we, you know, we've all worked with executives. Sometimes they're smart and do the right things, and sometimes they just go with their gut, and it's the wrong answer. And this is a decision made by a probably very small number of people, right? Maybe one. Yeah. And and, the, and they made the right one, and that's it's great when that works out. For sure. Well, we are at our limit here for mastering dungeons, so. First of all, thank you to our live uh, viewers here. We appreciate you coming to share a Saturday morning with us. Uh, thank you to our listeners out there in listener land. Uh, Mike, thank you for being a guest this week. Always, uh, always my pleasure. Thank you so much uh, for having me. Where can uh, people find you who may, for some reason, not know about the Sly Flourish empire? <laughs> uh, SlyFlourish.com. My, my website, SlyFlourish.com. Best way to get access to all the other things that I do is, is right off of that. Right off oh, of that I didn't know you had a blog. Yeah, I have a blog. I don't have comments. That's why you don't yeah. know about it. You should get on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Should, I, should, I should start up a YouTube channel. That'd be a good thing to do. Yeah. You can find Mike's YouTube channel if you go to <laughs> SlyFlourish.com. Yeah, there's a link, yeah. right? At, yep, at the top, exactly. a link to all the, all the things. Yeah. And Teos, thank you again, as always. Uh, where can people find you? Alphastream.org will lead you to all of the places where I interact with Mike and, and other people. <laughs> where we argue. argue about How about you, Sean? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin. You can follow the podcasts uh, at Mastering D&D. 
on Twitter. And Mastering Dungeons is a Misdirected Mark production. So, Teos and Mike, we have been saved by the <laughs> mighty hand of Wizards of the Coast purchasing D&D Beyond. And what are we going to do now? Hug, hug a monster. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I'm going to write a spell jammer uh, straight into Crin Space. Ooh. Sounds good. I am going to avoid that like anything.